34, Jeff Wacker, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of stuff going on today. We start off today's program like we start off every program with three big things. The story that continues to dominate the news. This is, in many respects, when you consider what's going on, the, the state of health care, North Korea, tax reform, all these issues, the, these cultural issues. Last year, the cultural issue was transgender bathrooms. This year, the cultural issue has become the NFL and the players deciding to stage the protests. Let's review the bidding quickly. Last year, Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel as showing his solidarity essentially for the Black Lives Matter movement. A couple other people took up that cause. A lot of people were offended by it. What ended up happening is I think that the protests were largely petering out until last week when President Trump decided to interject himself into this, this issue. Now it has become, I think, larger than simply the protests. It has become a, a statement on whether or not you support President Trump, and you're getting all sorts of reactions. I candidly don't know what the NFL players are, are protesting. I, I don't get it. I mean, last week, for example, three players did not stand. Three Packers players did not stand. One of them said he was standing, he was kneeling in support of his brother, who was making a statement about the race issues in America. Another guy said he was kneeling because he wanted to make a statement about help for Puerto Rico. And so now we have the Packers players coming out and saying, well, what they're going to do is stand in with arms locked during the the national anthem, which which is, is fine. They're standing during the national anthem. I don't have an issue with that if that's what they want to do. What's interesting to me, though, is as a show of unity, and that would be unity for what, They, of course, now want all the fans in the stands to do that. Now, I said this yesterday. If I was at Lambeau Field tonight, I would would be showing my unity the way I always do before sporting events. I would stand up. I would take off my hat if I have one on. I would put it over my heart, and I would stand. I typically don't sing because I can't sing while they're playing the national anthem. That is how I think people show unity. So I don't know exactly what this unity that the Packers players, particularly Aaron Rodgers, are talking about. I can tell you this. If I was at Lambeau Field this afternoon or this evening, I, I, I would be standing. Um, I, I wouldn't be locking arms with the people next to me because I'm not sure what sort of message we are supposed to be sending. Now, I don't know how the fans are going to respond to that. Maybe people are going to say, well... Aaron Rodgers has asked us to do it. What is the harm of this? Here, we're going to show unity, which I guess is like unity for for what? Are we standing up and saying that we support the Black Lives Matter movement, even though many of us believe that that's a part founded on on some fraudulent claims? What, What exactly are we saying? Are we standing up and saying we're providing unity against President Trump because President Trump called out these athletes who were kneeling? I don't know what the message is, and that's part of the reason why I don't think making what are political statements, and that's what this is, has any business at the NFL games. So if the Packers want to do this and that makes them feel better, that's fine. I don't believe the majority of the fans are going to do this. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How should the fans respond to this request by Aaron Rodgers that we all stand up, kind of sing kumbaya, and link arms? What, what is the fan response? How would you react if you were at Lambeau? And more importantly, how do you think the people who are going to be at Lambeau Field this evening are going to react? My guess is the vast majority will do what they always did, 
but not link arms. Now, my guess is also the TV cameras are going to be seeking out people that are, in fact, linking arms, and they're going to be putting them on TV. Just like last week, the TV cameras made the conscious decision that they were not going to show people who were booing when the players were, in fact, doing their various protests. What do you think is going to happen tonight? My guess is most people are going to respond like I would have responded. You're going to stand, you're going to take off your hat, but you're not going to be linking arms. 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 839. This is Jeff Wagner. Day 42, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. A couple of people sent me a note saying, you sound sick. That's because I am sick. You know, it's, it's just, I've got this monster of all colds. Yesterday was a sore throat. The sore throat is gone, but now absolutely no air through the nose. Absolutely no air. So kind of do a radio show where you're trying to not be able to breathe through your nose. It's always a little bit of a challenge, but we're going to get through it. 414-799-1620. How are fans going to respond this evening at Lambeau Field? Let's start with, uh, let's see, Bob in Cedarburg. Bob, you're first. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call, yes, number sir. one. Number two, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I think they picked the wrong game. Uh, the Bears and the Packers aren't a friendly rivalry to begin with, yet alone trying to lock arms. With a Bears fan that's next to you, I think you're going to be causing a lot of problems before the game starts. Well, I, you know, that that's interesting. I mean, the, the idea is, thanks for the call, Bob, we're, we're supposed to rise above petty stuff and, and just get together in a show of unity. But again, my big question is, what what are we uniting for? I mean, are we uniting to protest racial injustice in this country? And in that case, what racial injustice are we talking about? I mean, is this, are we uniting to... Uh, again, say that we don't support President Trump. I mean, what what exactly is the, the message here? And again, if the players want to have a giant meeting and they want to stand arm in arm and that's how they want to handle this, I think they have every right to do it. That's certainly better than taking a knee, which I continue to believe is a disrespectful thing to do. But, okay, they can stand arm in arm. That's not going to have a reaction. But I just don't see too many fans doing that. Let's talk to Craig in Waukesha. Craig, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, if this is about, uh, about the flag, I have too much respect for the flag, so my thing is going to be to turn the TV off. I love the Packers, love watching them, but if this is what they're going to do, I'm not watching them. Now, are you saying you're not going to watch the beginning of the game, or you're not going to watch the entire game because of this? I am not going to watch the entire game. I, the huh. Packers are the only team that I watch, the only games that I usually watch, so if this is the way it's going to be, I'll stick with the Badgers. Interesting. Do you think a lot of people are going to do the same thing you do? I don't know. I've kind of talked about it, you know, with my coworkers and stuff, and I don't really get the reaction that I would like because, like I say, I have a lot of respect for the American flag and what it stands for, and if that's what they're protesting, I don't want to have any part to do with the NFL anymore. Then. Well, and again, it, see, that, that's part of the thing that I'm legitimately unclear about is what what are we protesting? It's kind of like the old Marlon Brando movie, The Wild One, where they say, hey, Johnny, what are you protesting? He says, I don't know, what do you got? I mean, I that, that's why I, I think it's, it's again, if it's, look, we, we want to show that you were united. If, if you want to lock arms and we want to say, hey, we just had uh, the anniversary of 9-11, 
we want to lock arms as a show of solidarity behind this country, that that's fine. I don't necessarily get the sense, though, that that's what this is. I don't think anybody knows what this is. Tyler in Fond du Lac. Tyler, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm fighting a cold, but otherwise I'm fine. Thank you. Okay. I think Rogers is just trying to find some, some middle ground and, and stay out of the heat and try and just get everybody to... Um, to you know, get together and and stop arguing about it. But I, for one, will be at the game tonight, um, and I will put my hand over my chest like I always do. I am not going to lock arms. I am going to right you know, like I always do. And I can tell you, one of the guys in our group is staying home tonight. He is not coming to the game. He is protesting or he is he is boycotting. Um, he's leaving his ticket sit and he is not attending. And he really? will not be turning the game on tonight. Huh. Um, do you think that's going to be more than just today? The next game, next game, do you think he's going to be there? Um, he's expressed that he might not take it. In our group, everybody, you know, a bunch of us get together for one game and then everybody takes a game. And he has expressed that he is not interested in taking his individual game this year. Wow. Huh. That, that's a guy that feels strongly about it. See, I mean, the thing, Tyler, that I've never understood about when, when the Rogers calls for, for unity, I thought, Again, when when they play the national anthem and everybody stands up and you take off your hat, I thought that was our show of unity. I don't get what the let's lock arms type of stuff is all about. That let's lock arms type of stuff seems to me to be a political statement, at least in the minds of some people, it's a political statement and I don't know what those I don't know what that political statement is, and so I'm gonna I would choose not to make it. Yeah, that's a good point. Now thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Steve in Milwaukee. Steve, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, listen, I'm not just done with the Packers. I'm done with football, and I'm also done with basketball. And I'm I'm done with it. Not just for a Sunday or two. I'm done with it for at least a couple of years, unless they change. Uh, uh, they're radically changed because I'm 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 just. You don't want to be lectured to by multimillionaires as to what you should think about, what right, you should think. Right, yeah. and, 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 yeah, and, and, and it's such a false, it's such a completely false uh, 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 message of injustice, and, and, uh, and it's so shallow, and it's so, it's, it's, it's so pathetic. Uh, and I'm, I'm sick and tired of these, you know, these pampered, um, well, I guess, I mean, look, I, look. there's real injustice in the world. But, again, I don't know, what, what are they protesting? Okay, Martellus Bennett, who's the Butterfinger tight end that the Packers just signed, he he says he's protesting what happened to his brother, Michael Bennett, who's a race-baiting, in my opinion, liar. Michael Bennett was the guy who claimed that he was singled out in a Las Vegas casino and put on the ground simply because he was a black man. Well, it turns out that, you know, he, he ran from the police while they were investigating an active shooting situation. Everybody else stayed put. He ran, jumped over a four-foot like a uh, barrier, and the police chased him. Okay, well, he's pro- so Martellus Bennett is protesting his brother's treatment. Well, sorry, I-, I think his brother got exactly what he ended up deserving. Again, I don't know what this message is, but it- it's just it's not resonating. Um, I'm going to share a couple texts with you, Jeff. I don't have any problem with peaceful protest. Why can they not link their arms for a few minutes prior to the national anthem? But once that flag is presented and the anthem starts, stand respectfully with their hands over their hearts. Um, Yes, 
Yes, I think that that would be that would be a very good point. Um, Dan says, I am strongly considering not watching the game. Sports is a refuge from the political climate. If they intrude into that, I can skip the NFL. I skip Monday night football, and I don't miss it at all. See, that's where I think it is playing out with the NFL ratings. I, if you're a Packers-Bears fan, Bear fan, I mean, people are going to watch the game. I, I would be stunned if, if two – I know we've had a couple people call in saying that they're not using their tickets or they know people that aren't. But I think the vast majority of people, you're, you're going to watch. You're going to watch the game. I think where it's hurting the NFL is among the casual fans who say, "Well, okay, I'm not a Packers fan. I'm not a Bears fan. What, what do I care? I've got all sorts of other stuff to do on a Thursday night." Rocky writes, "Football used to be my getaway. Now that it's a political arena, I'm not going to watch anymore." Let's talk to Scott in Waukesha. Scott, good morning. I disagree with you, Jeff. I think it's more than just the average fan. I've been a fan of the Green Bay Packers for 40-some years. I will never watch another NFL game ever. Really? Wow. Ever. I am all done, and I'm not the only one. I've had several friends tell me the same thing. They are nothing but million-dollar crybabies. They have no idea what they're even uh, what they're even uh, protesting about. One is this, one is that. Goodell had an excellent opportunity last year yep. when Kaepernick started this and say, hey, if in our bylaws you will stand, you're either going to stand or you are not playing. Did he do it? No. They're all million-dollar crybabies, and I am completely done with the NFL. Well, I, I think this was I, one of the things that, that frustrated me about President Trump deciding to wade into this culture war is I think the protests were pretty much over. I really believe they had, had jumped the shark yet a handful of people, but it was kind of like yesterday's news. Once President Trump interjects, then the NFL comes down on the side of the players, and then you have the divide, and that's why it's it's the political stuff. I was looking at something um, in the in one of the websites, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He says, well, you know, pe- people are upset because they, they don't like the, the these protests because they don't like the message. Well, yeah, they they don't. I'm just not sure that they don't like the message. It's that they don't agree with the message that's out there, and they don't want to have it stuck in their face when they're paying exorbitant amounts of money to go watch grown men play a game. This issue is not going to go away. And I think Aaron Rodgers was trying to sort of appease everybody. And um, I don't think it's going to work. We continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's eight fifty-two. It's 855, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Leah in Waukesha, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. My husband and I are not going to watch the game. It is our choice because we feel that flag and the pledge and the respect and the honor we should be showing to it has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter or the player who feels his brother was mistreated. They're blowing it out of proportion and blaming the wrong thing. Right. We've been avid, avid Packer fans for years. We will no longer watch or listen, and my husband is having a jersey burning party tonight. Really? So you feel that strongly about this whole issue? Absolutely. My son served three years over in Iraq for these people who have not got the guts to stand up and salute the flag because they never put their life on the line for it. Now the players would say this isn't the players who are protesting would say this isn't about disrespect for the flag they are simply trying to call attention to 
social injustice or problems in Puerto Rico or, or whatever, and right. they're just choosing this mechanism to do it. But that is wrong. That is disrespecting the flag of this country. If they want to make a point, think of their own. Don't take something that is honored and revered in our country, for those of us who do respect it, and use that. They're cowards. That's what these people are, in my opinion, cowards. And we are done, and we will burn all Packer memorabilia and jerseys that we have tonight. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to... Brandon in Wauwatosa. Brandon, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning. I hope uh, they all get booed when they go out to the National Anthem and uh, they take a knee or do whatever they're going to do. Do you think, think they will be? Do you think they will? There will definitely be a portion of folks. Uh, Packer Nation is a, uh, a nation of patriots, I, I'd say. So I think they would definitely uh, let their voices be heard. So you view this like our previous caller does. You view these protests as being unpatriotic. It's unpatriotic, but I think it's just misguided. I think it's all a campaign by the left to, once again, if you're not with us, you're against us, that whole mentality. Right. And I think a lot of the players just don't want to be labeled as uh, unsympathetic towards whatever no, I think narrative they have. Um, you know, it is interesting. Like I say, last week, um, when a lot of the players were doing their various protests, there was a lot of booing, and the networks made the conscious decision not to show that. You know, you could you could hear it. But they made the point of not showing it. I wonder tonight if there is an audible negative reaction, whether the whether it's the NFL network. I wonder whether they'll have the guts to show that. Now, you'll probably be able to hear it through the radio, but will they have the guts to show it? My guess is no, that they won't. Good question. No, thanks to God. That's, I mean, I, I just I have a feeling that they just don't want – they want this to go away. They, they want this uh, – the, the NFL, I, I think, wants to take the approach that this is – this is just a tempest in a teapot and that these people who say that they're going to never watch our games and they're going to burn all their Packers paraphernalia or whatever, that's just a, a really small number. And, and it may very well be. I mean, people tend to forget about things. But right now, this is a huge problem. We're going to continue this conversation. We've got jam phone lines. If you're on the line, please hold on. We're going to take a quick break for the news, and then we're going to be back with more. Right now, it's 859. It's 908. This is Jeff Wagner. So BD is producing the show. Do we agree that the Brewers now have to win all four games to have any chance? Yes, we, we agree with that. Here's the frustrating thing. I was looking this morning. Um, when they go back and you look at, at what could have been this season, they, the fact is that they have not been played, have not played the bottom feeders well. They, they lost 10 out of 19 games to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is, is awful. So they, they lost the season series to Pittsburgh. Cincinnati is awful, and I think I checked this morning, they had won uh, 10 out of 18 games. But again, they, they've essentially played them 500. If you do what a lot of the other teams are and you, you whip up on the teams that aren't as good as you, you're not, again, two games or two and a half games behind with four games left. Okay, we are talking about what's going on at Lambeau Field this afternoon, this evening. Aaron Rodgers wants people to lock arms as a show of unity. I don't think that's going to happen. Barbara sends me an email. Jeff, I've been a Packers fan for as long as I can remember. For Aaron Rodgers to ask the fans to link arms during the singing of our national anthem is a bridge too far. Those rich, pampered guys do not have a clue what patriotism means. I have all my Packer gear ready to put into a garbage bag. I will be done um, with them. Um, Let's see. John writes, I keep hearing about the freedom of speech of the athletes, but what about the fans? By not showing, televising the fans' response, aren't the networks suppressing the fans' rights? Perhaps the network should just show the flag or the flyover and ignore the um, ignore them entirely. Huh. 
Um, interesting. Carl writes, I am done with the NFL. As long as they interject politics into the game, I am done. I am not happy even with the arm locking. During the national anthem, you should stand, face the flag with your hand over your heart. Okay, Mark writes, I will be at the Packers game tonight, and I plan to show my unity and support of America and the flag by placing my hand over my heart and singing the national anthem. I'm an Air Force veteran. I took an oath many years ago to defend this country and the Constitution, all of it, including the Bill of Rights. I still believe in that oath. Our country was built on the premise of all men created equal. I believe in that completely and practice that in my everyday life. It's the best way for me to show my support for my fellow Americans. Huh. So... He's going to do what I always thought was the show of unity. You stand and you take your hat off and you support the flag and the country. Let's talk to Cindy in Brookfield. Cindy, you're in 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I just called because my husband and I were talking to our son last night. Um, He's a a senior at Madison, and we were talking about what are they protesting. And he said, you know, he studies so hard throughout the week. And he says, this is my refuge. I just want to be able to turn on the game and watch. And he says, I just don't want to be lectured to about protesting. He says, I don't want Aaron Rodgers to be involved in it. He says, I I just don't understand, and it makes me very upset. I think he'll watch the game, but he says he doesn't know if he's going to watch the beginning (laughs) with the national anthem. So it was interesting to get someone um, younger, yeah. 21 years old. Well, I think, you know, I, I think that what, what frustrated me about this all along is is people always say they've got a First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes and no. The First Amendment says that the government can't stop, ex- prohibit your exercise of freedom of speech. It doesn't say your employer can't do things, and employers limit freedom of speech all the time. Most newspapers around the country have a policy saying their reporters can't sign recall petitions or whatever, so they limit your right of free speech. Most workplaces would have a policy saying you can't wear political buttons into the workplace, so they limit your free speech. I think the NFL should have just early on stomped this out, stopped it, said, okay, this is not going to happen, it's not going to be acceptable, and then it wouldn't have happened. Now, again, I understand that this has now flamed up because President Trump decided to make it a political issue, and a lot of people who just don't like Trump are now on uh, have jumped on board. But at the same time, I'm I'm with your son. I'm with you. I I just want to watch the football game for goodness sakes. I don't want to be lectured to, and I I don't know what this show of unity is all about. What are we uniting for? I don't get it. Yeah, that's what it was. Just my husband and I got off the phone, and it was like, oh my gosh, that's from someone who's you know not our age because yeah. we definitely don't agree. But to get Eric's opinion, um, it was very interesting, and I just wanted to share that because I've heard I uh, haven't heard anybody's opinion who's been younger <laughs> than us so um, on the radio. So I right. just wanted no, to no, share th- no that. thanks, I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. It's it is one of those. Um, you know, it, it is one of those issues. Okay, Sandy writes me, I want a reporter to ask Aaron if he wants the fans and owners to link arms only inside Lambeau or every time, everywhere, the national anthem is played. Is this forever? I want to know if he will ever put his hand over his heart again. I'm a lifelong Packers fan and shareholder. I never thought I'd be in a position of having to choose pride in my country over my beloved Packers. He just did. That is for sir. And she says the country wins. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, we've got uh, Tim in Brookfield. Tim, good morning. Good morning. What do you think? The question that I have is this. What was Mark Murphy thinking about when he came out and voiced his opinion regarding this whole issue? What was, as a president of a company, 
knowing how sensitive this topic is, yep. who would go out of their way to come out? And now, guess what? He's going to have to live with it. Oh, no. Mark, Mark Murphy definitely chose the protests over the, the people who had concern about it. Yeah, In my opinion, and I agree with you, it was... It was a bizarre statement, and I, I think Murphy. See, I think Murphy should have done something to stop this a long time ago. I think a lot of the other. I understand Murphy's not the owner, but I mean, I think NFL management, in, in many respects, they could have stopped this. They could have done things about it. They let it go, and now it's a huge problem. And I and I agree. Yeah. I think Murphy's statement threw Murphy's statement threw gasoline onto the fire. No question about it. Yeah. So I, I agree with you 100. percent Do you think and there's you know, going to be blowback? I, I, I have a son that is in the Air Force, and I I'm another one, a loyal Packer fan who will not turn that game on because that's my way of showing my support for our country. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. No, interesting. I, again, I don't know. And part of the thing is, it's going to be difficult to quantify how many people are going to do that, but. I do think there's going to be a backlash, and it's not just people that call in radio shows like this. Let's see, I'm on our text line. My husband told me he's not watching football anymore because of this this nonsense. Um, let's see. I'd like to see the military. This Steve says, I'd like to see the military stop the flyovers before the games. Um, yeah, there's there's all that type of stuff that's going on there. Um, again, it's the whole notion of protest. Now, here's an interesting one. If football players were kneeling for a right-wing cause, you and your listeners would be talking about how football players have a right to protest and demonstrate peacefully. You are hypocrites. No, because I don't think any of us would be saying, all right, what we want to do is we want you to stage protests. You don't like Hillary Clinton. We want you to stage a protest you know, on the field. And, of course, I also think that if somebody tried to do that, it would not be allowed. This, however, because you want to be the darling of the left, this, of course, ends up getting embraced by the NFL, and they're going to end up having to live with this. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Bill in McGuanago. Bill, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? I had I had a thought. <clears throat> if I were going to go to the Packer game tonight, I would not wear green and gold. I would wear red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Make your own kind of statement. And my guess is you wouldn't lock arms. You would stand up and you would look at the flag and you put your hand over your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, that, that would be an interesting thing. I, again, my guess is most people are going to go to the game, but I will be curious to see how, how number one, people respond and number two, how it is covered because you know it's going to be covered. And if people aren't, aren't locking arms, Will that be shown, or will this be, see here, all these people came and they locked arms and it was this rebuke to President Trump, and, you know, isn't it great that we're all singing Kumbaya together? I just don't believe that that's going to happen. I just don't. Thanks for your call, but we'll, we, will know, um, we will know tonight. Let's talk to Sandy in Milwaukee. Sandy, good morning. Oh, good morning. I think, in personally, this could be settled very simply. Have the national anthem played have the flyover, have everything for the fans who wish to participate, and then have the teams take the field and follow through on their job. That's what they're paid to do. If they have a political position, take care of it outside of their job. Well, I mean, I think that's 
that's one of the things. You're, you're just saying don't bring them out on the field during the yeah. national anthem. Play it beforehand, Correct. and then not give them that not give them that vehicle to do that. No. Do you think what they're doing is the right thing? No, I don't. No. Because let's face it, the country that they're playing for and the men who gave their lives for this country are giving them what they have. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, I think. Thanks. I, I would not be surprised if this continues. And now, look. I it, one of the interesting things is somebody who pays a lot of attention to the media coverage of this. If you just look at the way this is getting written about in a lot of the mainstream newspapers, it, it, it's United Front. Everybody supports the players. The, the, I'm not saying this is reality. I'm just saying this is the way this is getting covered. Everybody supports the players, and the only people who don't support their protests are. Well, I mean, a handful of just like Trump supporters who don't understand what this country is all about, don't understand the First Amendment. That, that's, that's what the argument is. I actually think it's quite different than that. I think the country is very split, and I actually believe, and there's polls out. I know people don't believe polls necessarily, but I think most people, the vast majority of people, or certainly the majority of people, still believe it is inappropriate to kneel during the national anthem. But even more so, and I think you're hearing that in all the calls we've been taking for the last 45 minutes, I think most people just don't want to be lectured to by a bunch of athletes. They don't want to have the football games co-opted by protests, for goodness sakes. You want to see athletics is the escape, just like going to the movies are the escape. And you don't want to have these different political opinions. And this is a political protest. I mean, there's no question about it. What's going on tonight, what went on Sunday, was in response to the comments that President Trump made. This is an effort to try to make a political statement. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe not on the coasts, but a lot of people throughout the rest of the country, maybe it is that silent majority, who just doesn't want to have politics mixed in with the sports. It's 919. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 922, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, two years and two sellouts. That means you cannot hesitate to get your tickets to this year's WTMJ Holiday Radio Show, which will benefit Kids to Kids Christmas on November 27th at Turner Hall in Milwaukee. You can hear the story of how WTMJ saves Christmas, and you can see all your favorite voices on stage as the live studio audience. Tickets go on sale this coming Monday at noon at papstheater.org. But be listening today and tomorrow for Wisconsin, Wisconsin's Morning News and the Wisconsin Afternoon News for your chance to win a four-pack before you can buy them. I would say this. these th- This sells out. It sells out quickly. We have, I, from the perspective of myself and my colleagues, I can tell you that we have an absolute blast doing this, and I think everybody who's come to watch this over the last couple years has a blast seeing it as well. So it's a wonderful night. Some of the proceeds go to help uh, Kids to Kids Christmas, so it's a good cause as well. The tickets go on sale Monday at noon. So if you want to come, my advice would be do not delay. It's one of those deals where I've always told the story. Week or two out, I start getting calls from friends saying, "Hey, can you get me some can you get me some tickets?" and I keep having to say, "No, I can't because all the tickets are are gone. Why didn't you go buy them if you knew you knew you were going to want to come? So why didn't you buy them up front?" So papstheater.org noon on Monday. All right. We could we could go on for, for the entire three and a half hours of this program. We have JM phone lines on this. I guess I don't know really what more there is to say about it at this point in time. I will be curious to see how people react. 
I'm not calling for a boycott of the NFL. I do think the NFL has a problem, though, and it's a problem that is many in many respects of their own making. They could have stopped this entire thing from happening over the summer simply by clearly putting in a rule. And I understand that there's some people who think that there are rules. I don't really believe that there is. But regardless, people could have, you could have put in a rule. You could have stopped this. Now you have a full-blown problem on your hands. And I do think it's one of the factors that's hurting the NFL. That being said, I mean, I, it really is hard for me to believe that there's people that have tickets to see the Packers-Bears who aren't going to go. I do think the entire – I don't believe that everybody at Lambeau Field is going to be, you know, um, again, linking arms as a show of unity and support for various protests, in part because we don't know – what we are unifying to show support for. We, we just don't, which is one of the reasons why you too, when you try to do these mass protests, it is typically doomed. Okay, big story number two. President Trump has now come out with his new tax plan. Now, the details are starting to emerge, but here's one of the interesting things. The Paul Ryan has always said that any tax reform plan has to be revenue neutral. In other words... If we're going to give tax cuts to some, the money has to come from somewhere else. That, that's always been the deal. So one of the things that the president is talking about is eliminating the state and local tax deduction. Um, what that means for Wisconsin, let's assume that you itemize. You would still be allowed to deduct your mortgage interest. So, you know, you, you've got your loan through the bank. You pay mortgage interest you would still be allowed to deduct the interest. You would not, however, be allowed to deduct your property taxes or any state or local income tax that you pay. So the way it is in Wisconsin right now, one of the big ways, if you are a homeowner and you itemize and you are middle class, chances are that what you're going to do and you own the home, you are going to, you know, you're paying your property taxes, Wisconsin is a high property tax state. We have a lot of stuff on the property tax. The one thing about having a high property tax is you at least get some relief because you can deduct it on your taxes. Trump would do away with that. This Trump plan would also do away with you being able to deduct the state or local income tax you pay. So again, in a state like Wisconsin, this would hurt a lot of home owners. Now, they, they would raise the standard deduction. My sense, though, and I say this without doing all the math, my sense for a lot of people in Wisconsin, losing the ability to deduct property taxes would result in you paying more, maybe a lot more, on your federal taxes. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and tech line, Text Line. What do you think? Tax reform? What they would do is they would simplify it. They would have larger brackets. But for those of us in Wisconsin who are used to deducting our property taxes and our state income tax, we would lose the ability to do that. That, I think, is a huge concern. What do you think? We discuss next. It's 927. It's 943. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Got an email yesterday that from somebody who just looks at the way the city of Milwaukee does business and just shakes their head at how just insane it, it is. Um, we, we talk frequently about the epidemic of carjackings and car thefts that are in, in the city. Well, here's the story. 
Um, let's see. I'm a longtime listener. I've always liked hearing your commentary on stolen cars in Milwaukee County. I am also a victim of car theft out of my driveway in Wauwatosa. I wanted to share my story since it resurfaced today. I re- so guy's car was stolen out of his driveway. I received a notice of two unpaid traffic violations from the city of Milwaukee on the license plates that were associated with my stolen vehicle. So somebody has stolen the guy's car, and now he's getting tickets in, in the mail saying, hey, your car was used to, you know, illegally parked or whatever. I called the city's violation office, and I found out that filing a police report of a stolen car not does not also report your plates as stolen. I can't wrap my head around how that's possible, especially since the police and my insurance company didn't indicate that I needed to call and cancel. I felt, I just simply assumed that reporting a car stolen also reported the license plate as stolen. So I presume what is happening here is his car is stolen, and either the plates are taken off the stolen car and put on another car, or alternatively, that the stolen car still has the stolen plates on it. And, you know, you've got the meter violators that are going around, and they're writing and parking citations or whatever, but nobody knows. For example, the parking checkers who are writing the violations, apparently they have no clue that they're writing violations on a car that is stolen. So he ends up getting these notices in the mail saying that you owe money on this. Now his email continues. Anyways, I found it entertaining that the MPD has found a stolen car multiple times, but all they have done is issue citations for expired plates. I don't own the car as I settled with the insurance company, so the loop is closed on my end. I'll be calling the insurance company tomorrow to inform that the car is still driving around on the north side of Milwaukee, shaking my head. It really is. And there's no other word to describe it, but other other than the word is insane. So here you have the guy. His car is stolen. He calls the cops. They report it. So you have an ex-car stolen. You've got the plates of the car. And apparently there's like parking checkers that are going around or cops writing citations for the stolen car because the plates are expired. And nobody seems to know that, hey, this is a stolen car. Maybe we should put a boot on it. Maybe we should impound it. Maybe we should call whoever it is that investigates stolen cars to come out and maybe just set up and watch who gets in this car because chances are they are a car thief and the chances are they're probably not, if they've stolen this car, they probably stolen a whole bunch of other cars as well. This you would think from a law enforcement perspective, if you wanted to clear a case, this would be what we would call low-hanging fruit. But instead, all they do is continue to write citations on the stolen cars, stolen license plates for expired plates. And you wonder why the city is so out of control, which leads us to big thing number three. Tom Barrett has come out with his budget for the the next fiscal year. The budget eliminates approximately 33 police uh, positions and 75 firefighter positions. Now, it's interesting because on our air yesterday, the Milwaukee fire chief came on and said, well, the the 75 positions, it's it's not going to hurt the department at all to lose them because um, in, in many cases these are vacant now, so we're simply not going to fill them. And in the other cases, it's going to be through attrition. We've got some retirements coming up. Don't worry, it's not going to affect response times. 
Okay, now, it was interesting that the fire chief said that because my reaction was what that's saying, if you can eliminate 75 firefighter positions, what that is really saying, and, and, and there's no, and you believe the fire chief when he says there's not going to be any sort of downside at all, that tells me that you've got a lot of fat in the fire department budget, that you've got 75 positions there that you really don't need. If you can seriously eliminate 75 jobs without it affecting quality or anything, well, then then, then it's overstaffed. Now, I'm not taking that position one way or the other, other than that is the logical conclusion of what the fire chief ended up saying. So maybe you've got, maybe he's right, maybe you've got 75 unnecessary positions in the, the budget. I don't know about firefighters. I will tell you, though, in the city of Milwaukee, on the mean streets of Milwaukee, you do not have fat in the police budget, at least not when it comes to personnel. The police department is already below where its strength should be. The police department has lost a lot of cops through retirement that haven't been replaced. And if you project out, they're going to lose a lot more cops that haven't been replaced. At the same time, you've got astronomical numbers of carjackings and violent crimes and car thefts and all those different things. And you've got the mayor deciding that he is going to eliminate 33 positions. And the reason, he says, is we just don't have enough money to pay for the pension type of stuff. I can't do that unless the state legislature gives me the ability to raise property taxes by um, uh, a half cent on, on people. And raise, I'm sorry, to raise sales taxes by a half cent. Now, the legislature is not going to let Milwaukee do it. I have already said that I wouldn't have a problem with having a referendum on that, and as long as the money went to dedicated for law enforcement. Now, that's a big issue. I mean, this wheel tax, you know, we were told, hey, you pay all this wheel tax in Milwaukee and it's going to go to the roads. Roads really look like they're any better. So I don't know where that wheel tax money is going. But in theory, I understand if you're going to have a half-cent sales tax increase and you want to put it towards law enforcement, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But it's not going to happen. The legislature is not going to go along with that referendum. So the reality is the mayor's got to figure out where his priorities are. He says, got to get rid of 33 police positions. Our numbers, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, as evidenced by the fire chief's comments, I think there's a lot of additional fat left in the city of Milwaukee budget a lot of if you've got to start cutting positions, I think there's a, probably a lot of other positions that could be cut before you start going after police positions. And cutting police positions, I think, is the very last thing you do. How many aides does Tom Barrett need? I mean, seriously, let, let's ask that. How many aides do the aldermen need? If you've got 75 firefighters who are unnecessary, and that's Again, that's the logical conclusion of what the fire chief is saying. All right, how many other departments have overlapping bureaucracies, have people that could be cut? Do we really want to go after the police? And, yes, you can't have this discussion without also talking about the operating costs for Tom's trolley folly. What would you rather have? How many cops could you hire to cover the operating costs for just one year on Tom Barrett's trolley? Just asking. 414-799-1620. I just think this is a complete and total non-starter. We discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 951. It's 
954, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Danny in West Dallas. Danny, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. Well, with all the crime that's been going on lately, you know, the shootings and so on, getting rid of police would be idiotic. You think? (laughs) Now, when you talk about the extra fat that could be trimmed, well, what about our useless uh, train system downtown, you know, the... Mm -hmm. The uh, the mayor's uh, private trolley. Right. The the and again now what what Tom Barrett would say is well okay there's the the only tax money that's involved in that is, is the operating cost okay but that's still all right if it's five hundred thousand if it's a million dollars a year you can buy a lot of cops you would think that that would if you take an extra million dollars you could be able to well at least hire a few police officers or save a few police officer job right exactly yeah I, that's see that's thanks for call no that's that's the, the that's the issue here. I mean, you want to talk about, again, bad optics. As long as Tom Barrett continues to push for this trolley and then talk about how he wants to expand it throughout the entire city, it is impossible to take him seriously when he talks about, gee, we need to have budget cuts. Here's uh, Mitch in Sturgeon Bay. Clang, clang, clang goes the trolley while the mayor holds public safety hostage to get his budget increased. Yeah, that is the interesting type of thing. He wants more money. And, and again, we're not talking about getting rid of a couple people in the mayor's office, because who cares? You know, gee, I, I've got to get rid of the assistant to my chief of staff. Who cares about that? i got to get rid of one of the PR plaques that works for me. No, nobody cares about that. But you say, hey, we're going to have to get rid of a bunch of police officers. Well, people care about it. But the truth is, you might not have to really get rid of the police officers. I refuse to believe that, again, that there's no more fat that can be trimmed in the city of Milwaukee budget. And Again, this is from the perspective of somebody who, if you were convinced that you had that sales tax and the money was going to make sure to be put towards law enforcement, I probably wouldn't oppose this. But, again, the question becomes, how do you guarantee that? Dan sends me a text. This reminds me of when Barrett siphoned off water department revenue to generate funds and then claimed he didn't have the money to fix the water lines. Yeah, that, there's always this kind of bait-and-switch game that goes on with the politicians. Now, of course, the firefighters' union, they are upset with not only Barrett making the cuts, but also with the fire chief, who essentially came on and said, hey, we can drop 75 positions and it's not going to be that big a deal. The uh, In the Journal Sentinel today, the union representative said, hey, Look, um, meeting national response times, and that's what the fire chief said, we can get rid of all these firefighters and we can still meet national response times. And the firefighters union put out a very good point. Meeting national response times is not an excuse to cut your services. We are the Milwaukee Fire Department, and we provide the services the Milwaukee way, nothing short of excellent. Waiting any additional amount of time in an emergency seems like an eternity. And so, I mean, I think... There is something to be said about that. But when it comes to police, we already, if you want to realize how ridiculous the mayor's position is, just remember the story that happened a couple weeks ago that we talked about on this program. You had the woman who, house in Milwaukee, I think it was like 6 or 7 o'clock at night, all of a sudden bullets start flying through her house, including one going into the bedroom where her daughter or granddaughter was sleeping. So there's a shootout on the streets in front of her house, which unfortunately happens on a regular basis on the mean streets of Milwaukee. She calls 911. Hey, there's bullets that are flying. Four bullets just went into the house. 911 almost hit my granddaughter, my daughter, whatever. 
911 says, well, are the operator says, are the um, are the shooters still outside? She says, no, I, I don't I don't think so. Um, was anybody injured? No, people are pretty shaken up, but nobody's injured. They say, okay, well, this is just a routine matter then. You know, we'll get somebody over there when we can. And four or five hours later, somebody shows up. I mean, seriously, think about any other place around here. You have your house shot up, and you're told, well, since they're not out there still shooting and um, nobody was killed, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. And Tom Barrett wants to get rid of 33 spots. They don't have enough police now to do the job. And by the way, that is not a criticism of the cops. I understand you got to do triage on the streets. I understand that their, their position probably is, well, you know, don't you understand, at any given time we're getting 911 calls from a half dozen people and it's active shooting situation, so it'll be four hours before we can check on this one because we know that the gunmen aren't still there. Can you imagine anybody where else being told after your home is shot up that, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. And this is the same mayor that wants to cut cops? Really? It's 959. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 10.09, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. This is breaking news. Uh, Jane was just telling you about it. The Supreme Court of the United States agreeing to take this, the Janus case. Um, and this, this, this is not good news to um, unions, particularly public sector unions. Um, the, the story behind this is that uh, this guy named Janus, who worked for the Illinois Department of Health Care and Family Services, he was required um, to pay $44 a month to the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Ask me. He said he didn't have any choice. He was required to pay union dues, and those, those dues were used for um, collective bargaining costs. He said, I, he said I, didn't, I don't want to be part of, of the union. They're making me pay this money. He says, I went into this line of work because I care about kids. But just because I care about kids doesn't mean I also want to support a government union. Unfortunately, I have no choice. So he filed a lawsuit. Now, there's a, a 40-year-old court case. Um, it's known as the Abood. It's Abood versus Detroit. And in that case, the Supreme Court said it's reasonable to require all employees, not just union members, to pay to support the cost of bargaining because all of them benefited. So that's that's the case that's out there. He is challenging this, and a group, the, the conservatives, keep in mind that it's been the court was split, you know, four four following the death of Justice Scalia a year ago February, and so the court couldn't decide a similar sort of case. Well, now the court is at full strength again, and I think the thinking is that the 5-4 conservative majority is about ready to say that you, know, you, you can't be compelled to pay union dues. Um, a lot of labor experts predict that if this were to happen, a significant percentage of employees would stop supporting their unions if they didn't have to pay their dues. So the Supreme Court's going to hear this case. The decision's going to probably be out by June as I often say, you can go broke trying to bet on what the Supreme Court's going to do. But the fact that they have agreed to take this case after deadlocking 4-4 on a similar one last year tells me that they're ready to decide it. 
and it tells me that there's probably going to be a conservative majority, which is about ready to say to these public sector unions, you can no longer compel people to have to pay dues. All right. Michelle Obama. We really haven't heard much about Michelle Obama since she and her husband uh, left Washington and started private life. Michelle Obama was back again Wednesday, and, and she had an interesting piece of criticism. Now, just to give you some perspective, in the last presidential election, about 41% of the female population, 41% of women who voted, voted for Donald Trump. So Hillary won women 59 to 41. But 41% of women voted for President Trump. Michelle Obama um, decided to talk about this yesterday. She was, at a, she was doing a talk at a marketing conference in Boston, and here's what she said. She said, any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice. She went on to suggest that female voters for Trump, any of you out there who voted for Trump, you were just going along with the pack. It doesn't say much about Hillary, and everybody's trying to worry about what it means for Hillary, and no, no, no. What does this mean for us as women? Take uh, that we look at those two candidates as women, and many of us said, he's better for me, his voice is more true to me. To me, that just says, you don't like your voice. You just like the things that you're told to like. So in other words, she's saying that if you voted for Trump, you are essentially, as a female, you're a self-hating woman, and that you are really incapable of thinking on your own. To me, that just says you don't like your voice. You don't like the thing you're told to, you just like the thing you're told to like. So somebody says, you should like Donald Trump, and then you follow along mindlessly, that you are essentially sheep, and you're kind of self-hating, I guess. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this, again, demonstrates some of the cluelessness that you see from the liberal elite, and I think it does a huge disservice to a lot of people out there, particularly women, who voted for President Trump. So let's let's tee this up, particularly ladies out there. If you voted for Donald Trump, do you think you were deluded? Are you a self-hating woman? Are you just a sheep that went along with the pack? Um, uh, did you vote against your own voice? Or was there something perhaps more to it? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Michelle Obama says, any woman that didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, well, they must just kind of be sheep. That's my interpretation of what she's saying. And they voted against their own voice. Really? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1014. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1017. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Yesterday, Michelle Obama slammed women who voted for Trump. She says any woman who voted against Hillary Clinton voted against their own voice. She goes on to say, essentially, if you did that, um, you're, you're just you're, you're sheep. Somebody was telling you to do that, and you did it um, mindlessly. Let's see. Um, Maggie in West Bend writes, voted for Trump to vote against Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah. Let's see. Somebody else says, that's very sexist. It is. I wonder if she feels the same way about race. Oh, don't know. But, yes, can you imagine if you had... I don't know, a conservative commentator that said something like that, that said, 
exactly that. That the uh, any woman that voted for um, the Donald Trump, boy, just is, is just does too dumb. They don't know what exactly they're doing. Can you imagine what the fallout of that would have been? Renee in New Berlin. Renee, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, Renee. Sounds like you have the same cold I do. Yeah, well, I'm getting. I'm, I'm hope, hopefully I'm getting over it, but we'll we'll see. All right. Well, I hope you do too. Um, first of all, I think Michelle Obama is the one that is clueless. The women that voted for Trump wanted something better for our future than what Hillary had to offer, because she's a liar and a crook, and I will stand by that. I don't like Hillary Clinton, and. I wouldn't have voted for her. She was the last woman on earth. Right, so it had nothing to do with her gender. You just didn't like her. You didn't trust her. You just would flat not have supported her, period. Exactly. Yeah, no, thanks for the call, Renee. I mean, that's, I, I, there, there's all this, you know, this hand-wringing, trying to explain why it was that Hillary Clinton lost the election. And I think, and of course, now you've got the revisionist books tour that's out there that's blaming this, that, the other thing. I mean, the bottom line is, People just weren't into her. That, that's this, and, and that includes men, and that includes women. I mean, I've told the story before. My late wife was a, was a lefty. Would she have ultimately voted for Hillary Clinton? I have no doubt that she would have, but she, she, she didn't like her. She didn't trust her. Um, she thought she was a liar. She would have voted for her, I guess, because I'm not sure she ever voted for a Republican with the possible, and I say possible expression when I ran for office you know, 20-some years ago, but... I'm not even sure about that. But, but I mean, I think that was reflective of the way a lot of women felt. And this notion that if you're a woman who you voted for Trump, well, you just, you're, you're a mindless sheep. Or, you know, you, you have no sense of gee, standing up for other women. How insulting is that? Vicki at Eagle. Vicki, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't understand where Michelle Obama thinks that she can now be my voice when my voice was in the voting box. Well, right, but she, she knows. Yeah, she doesn't know, though, she doesn't know us personally. That, that really does burn me. That, that irritates me that she thinks she knows what went on. Well, but, but she thinks she knows, you gotta understand, she thinks she knows better. I mean, she, she is the purveyor of all wisdom, Vicky, and she knows that if you voted for Donald Trump instead of Hillary Clinton, well, you must have just been a mindless sheep or you must have been clueless. I mean, that, that's essentially the arrogance that you are getting. Yeah, well, that's a shame, and that's, thank the Lord that that's why uh, Hillary is not in office today. Yeah, I mean, th- again, thanks. I, I think, see, I mean, putting, putting the, the, the male, putting the, the gender thing aside, Hillary Clinton was a lousy candidate. Men, women, doesn't matter. People saw her on the national stage since the 1990s, and they just didn't like her. She didn't have the popularity that her husband Bill did. She didn't have any of that charm. It had, in my opinion, nothing to do with her her gender. But this idea that, well, you know, you, you have to vote for her if you're a woman because she's the only person that can, you know, do things that are positive for women's rights. I just, I mean, how insulting is that? Nicole in Sheboygan. Nicole, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi. My, I'm very young, so I guess I didn't grow up in the Bill Clinton years, but I couldn't follow or I couldn't throw Hillary Clinton as far as I could trust her. So I guess my thing is is that I she just didn't have a truthful bone in her body. And as someone that, you know, is very young, that they said that, you know, Trump's voters were old and everything like that, and 
mostly male. It's just, it irritates me, and she's the prime example of why Hillary Clinton's not in office. Yeah, well, and plus it's the idea, Nicole, that, that you as a female, if you didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, you just, you're, you're either dumb, you're misinformed, and you're a is, sheep, yeah, whatever. As, as a college graduate, I think that's where they missed it, is that, you know what, you're not getting scare tactics against us. And you know what? We actually do have a brain. And just because we don't rely on the government, actually, we have different thought processes behind it. They're not going to just try to give us money and deal with us that way. Right. Well, or you can you can evaluate the candidates and you can decide. No, no, thanks for the call. This, this idea that, and see, and this is what I think has been one of the problems that Democrats have and have had in trying to win elections o- over the past several years. It's this idea that, there is this monolithic thing that's out there. If you are a woman, well, then you have to be for Hillary Clinton. If you are an African-American, well, then you have to be for Barack Obama. It's all these different things. It's this idea of if you are Hispanic, you have to be for this or you have to be for that. It's this idea of trying to, again, create, let, let, let's play the, the gender card. Let's play the race card. Let's try to say, okay, you know, no, no woman, no woman in her right mind could vote for Donald Trump. Well, all right. I think you could reverse that. I think there's a lot of people who, just like some of our callers are saying, they just they knew Hillary Clinton, and they didn't like her. Lisa No Creek text, Jeff, I did not vote for Hillary or Trump. I did not want her to represent women as the first female president. Her values and history is not worthy of that honor. Did the women who voted against Hillary and voted for her husband, did they um, vote against their voice? Very, very interesting question. Jan in Milwaukee says, didn't vote for either and still would not. Um, yes. Um, let's see. Lori writes, as a woman, wouldn't that make me a mindless sheep to vote for a female candidate only because of gender? Well, you would think that that would be a fair question. But, of course, Michelle Obama doesn't think about things in terms of that. It's 923. This is Jeff Wagner. A lot of great stuff coming up on the program, including... Southwest Airlines getting some criticism. I don't necessarily think they handled the situation poorly. I'll tell you about it. We'll discuss next. It's 924. Okay, 1026, Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. All right, here's the deal. The This has been a summer year of discontent for airlines. We've had one story after another about unruly passengers who've had to been removed, and sometimes it's the airlines that is fault, sometimes it's the passengers that are at fault. Here's an interesting story, and I want to get your reaction. Maybe you've seen this video, but it involves, it happened Tuesday afternoon. There was a cross-country flight from Baltimore, Maryland to Los Angeles, California. Had a woman on the plane. Woman says she's flying out because her father was having surgery the next day, which would have been yesterday. So here's the deal. Woman gets into her seat, and she notices that there are two dogs that are on the plane in various parts of the plane. One of the dogs is a service animal. The other dog is is just, it's a pet, but the people have paid to have the, the pet with them. So there's two dogs. The woman goes up to the flight attendant and says... I have severe um, pet allergies, and these these allergies are so severe that they may be life-threatening, and I I just don't feel comfortable being on a plane with these these dogs. Well, okay, Southwest then says, all right, do you have a medical certificate that, that says that? And apparently there are 
medical certificates that are that are issued. She says, no, I, I don't have a medical certificate. So then Southwest says, well, I'm sorry, then you're going to have to get off the plane because Southwest's policy is that while they will try to accommodate people who have these severe pet allergies, they need to see a medical certificate. They need to see that it's something, you need to be able to prove that you have that. So she's telling them, I'm essentially going to die if I'm going to be on this plane, you know, for however long it takes to fly from Baltimore to Los Angeles. I'm going to essentially die because I have severe allergies if I have to be on this plane with these two dogs, one of whom is a service dog, the other whom is a pet that the people have paid for. She says, I've got this condition. She's unable to provide a certificate. So the airline says, well, we, we're, we're sorry. We, we can't let you fly, um, and we really can't do anything unless you have a medical certificate, which she doesn't have. So she says, well, what are we going to do? And they say, well, you're going to have to – we'll try to rebook you, but you're going to have to get off the plane because obviously we're not going to put you in a situation where you um, get up in the air and then have a severe reaction and die. We're not going to do that. But at the same time – Without you having some sort of medical certificate, we're not going to go and toss off these, these other two people who you know have brought their pets on and they've played by the rules. Well, the woman says, I'm not going. I, I refuse I refuse to leave. And they say, well, 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 you have to leave. She says, I refuse to leave, at which point in time they, they call the cops. I mean, they, they call the, the airport security. Airport security comes on. They explain to the lady what I've just explained to you, that this is kind of situation. She said it's life-threatening if she gets on the airplane and flies. She doesn't have this medical certificate. She's essentially demanding that these people with the dogs be removed from the plane, and they say we're just not going to, you know, absent a certificate, we're not going to do that. She then refuses to leave, right? So the cops come on. They say, ma'am, you're going to have to get off the plane. She refuses to go, at which point they then remove her. And there's a video of this. Of course, everybody's got their cell phones. There's a video, and she's forcibly removed. I mean, they grab her, they lift her up from her seat, and they pull her off the plane. She's refusing to go. And now this has become this huge cause celeb. Southwest tosses another another person off the plane. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is always unfortunate when things like this happen. But having said that, I'm not sure what else Southwest could have done. The woman tells them she will be in a life-threatening situation if she's on the plane because of a pet allergy. She has no evidence to support that. You've got the people who are already on the plane with the pets. Should Southwest have made those pet, those people, you know, get off the plane based just on this woman's say-so? And then, again, the lady, it seems to me, makes matters worse. They explain the situation to her, and then they say, you got to leave, and she won't leave. Okay, 414-799-1620. This is one where I'm not sure what Southwest could have done differently in this situation. I guess short of tossing the two people with dogs off the plane, but what's that going to do moving forward? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Who's right? Who's wrong? It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, if you're just tuning in, here's the deal. Tuesday afternoon, lady flying cross-country from Baltimore to LAX. She says she's got to get to Los Angeles because her father's having surgery the next day. She gets on a plane. She notices that there are two dogs on the plane. One is is a pet. The other is a service dog. She whistles the flight attendant over and says, I have life-threatening pet allergies, um, and if I, I could die if I'm on this flight with these, these animals. So they say to her, all right, do you have a medical certificate documenting this? She says, no, I don't. So then they say, 
Well, then I'm sorry. We're not going to we're not going to toss the the pets and the pet owners off. If you don't have a medical certificate, you know you're going to have to get off, and we're going to rebook you. Southwest says their policy is that a person traveling without this medical certificate can be denied boarding if they report a life threatening allergic reaction and cannot travel safely with an animal on board. They also say. One of the two dogs was a service animal, so they're not legally allowed to toss that person off. That you know, The pet was more of a discretionary thing, but the other service animal, that's covered. So they say, look, if you don't have a medical certificate, I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to make the pet owners get off. You're going to have to deplane. She becomes extremely upset. They explain to her what their policy is, just like I've explained it. She refuses to leave. So they end up calling the cops. Cops get on the plane, and they forcibly remove her. And there's a video of them forcibly removing her, but she refuses to go. What is Southwest supposed to do? 414-799-1620. Katie in Burlington. Katie, good morning. I think she is full of crap. You have a life-threatening condition, and you don't have anything on you, nor make sure the environment's safe for you. And what she expected was it's completely unfair. She's, if she's in a life-threatening situation, you'd think she'd want to get off the plane. Irregardless, if she has some kind of – they've been in the area, they've been in the environment in close quarters. If you have some anaphylactic reaction to dogs, well, I'll tell you, their dander and hair is already yep. there, even if they leave. Right. Secondly, what do you expect? So, lady, you won't get off, but they're just supposed to arbitrarily kick these people off because you happen to say you have medical emergency with no documentation. You never provided it to the airline. You never flew before or even thought about it. I don't buy it for a second. She either didn't like dogs or does have some type of allergy or just thought she so It makes no sense. If my life is in danger, I'm removing myself from the situation. I'm not going to argue with people right. to fix the situation. But or also, plus, you're also going to have this medical certificate. If, if this is a problem, that your pet allergies are so severe that being around a dog or a cat or whatever is going to put you in a life-threatening situation and you know you're going to be traveling on public conveyances, you're going to have that certificate, you know, because this this will presumably come up all the time. Lots of people travel with pets nowadays. Oh, sure. I'm sure someone will look her up on Facebook or find some evidence of her cuddling with a chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. There will go her whole statement. Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, I've got a number of texts here. One makes the point you just made, Katie. Even if the dogs get off the plane, it's the dander that causes allergy issues, and that dander would still be there, so it would not have mattered. Unless the plane is properly cleaned, she will still be exposed to allergies. The lady with the dog allergies was was wrong. Uh, Kylan Wauwatosa says, another attention seeker looking for an excuse to sue a law-abiding company. Um, Mary in Brookfield says, she's wrong. What happens if they try to throw the pet owners off and they refuse? Why should everyone else be inconvenienced for the person that has the problem? Why does she have to be inconvenienced because of her own medical problem? How do they know that she's not making it up just because she doesn't like dogs? And right, I think that's, I don't know exactly what would have happened if she had the medical certificate. I get the sense that they would have tried to accommodate her somehow. But I mean, what what is the airline supposed to do? Gee, if I fly and I'm around pets, I'm going to die. Okay, what do you want us to do? Well, I want you to throw the pet owners who, especially like one is a service dog, so the guy's legal. I think it's a guy. He's legally allowed to travel with the dog. The other is a pet, but you're going to throw these off, these these animals off, just because this woman claims to have this type of reaction. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. Let's talk to uh, let's see, Jake in Caledonia. Jake, good morning. You're at six twenty WTMJ. Hey, 
morning, Jeff. Hi, Jake. Uh, Southwest Airlines is a great airline. Try to fly them all the time. It's one of Clark Howard's girlfriends, as he says. Right. I love uh, I love Southwest. Yep. Yes. You know, until they start criminally charging unruly passengers, this can with DC. This is going to continue on. There's nothing Southwest could have done. They politely asked her to leave several times, and she refused to right. leave. Right, and they explained to her why. I mean, if, if they explained to her why, this is our policy. You don't have a medical certificate. We can't let this plane take off. You've already told us that if you fly with these animals, you could have a potentially deadly reaction. How in the world can you let them fly? So, and because she didn't have a certificate, they didn't kick the pet owners off. I don't think that just because somebody has the claims to have an allergy that you have to kick the pet owners off. I don't think that's fair to them. Correct. I I don't think she. I don't think it was legitimate. Anyways, I think she was lying. Yeah. I, right. Uh, well. Right. I, I do too. Because again. If I had that severe of an allergy and I knew I was going to travel, these are these type of issues come up on a regular basis. That would be one of the things that you would have had. You would have now it, it might be it might be that she overstated this. Now that that's where the uh, again, you know, who knows? She might not have a, a life threatening uh, life life threatening condition. She might be allergic to dogs. I, I get that. And so, you know, maybe it was that she saw these dogs on there and she wanted to kind of, I don't know, sort of hype this up and make it more dramatic than it actually was by claiming it's going to be a life-threatening thing. Because I know there's all sorts of people that are, my best friend is very allergic to cats. I, I, I get that. I don't think it's necessarily a life-threatening situation. So maybe she made it sound worse than it was because she wanted to get the animal owners tossed off. But at the same time, all right, you, you make your bed, you lie in it. You know, if you say, hey, I can't be on this plane or else I'm going to die. And then they say, okay, well, then you can't be on the plane. Get off. But then you have the whole second thing. They explain their policy. They say, ma'am, I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave based on what you told us. At that point in time, maybe you grumble about it, but you get your sorry butt out of the seat and you head down the aisle. It is unfortunate that the cops had to get physical with her. But what are you going to do in a situation like that? Brent in Elm Grove. Brent, good morning. Yeah, I think I have a little different perspective on things. Um, I'm a frequent flyer on Southwest, and I think they need to look at their policy regarding pets. Um, there's more and more pets on the airplane. I understand service animals and the need for service animals, uh, because, but it's becoming much more common that there's pets on airplanes. I'm highly allergic to cats and dogs. Uh, I don't have life-threatening allergies to cats and dogs. But it just makes for an unpleasant experience for me as being a frequent flyer on Southwest Airlines. Secondarily, let me let me let's work on let's work with that. Do you think that the airlines should ban pets? Period from the passenger cabins of planes. I think they need to tighten up the restrictions on the needs of the pets to be on the airplane uh, with the passenger. And if there are circumstances like service animals, I have no problem with it. If I was seated next to someone with a service animal and my allergies are bothering me, you'd ask to, you just ask to move, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, and I, I mean, thanks. I, I see, and I, I understand trying to accommodate that. Now, I speak from the perspective of somebody who's a pet owner. I have not flown on a plane yet with my dog. I have a little dog, and and I think you know, at some point in time, probably sometime in I don't know, some sometime in the next year or so, we're, we're probably gonna gonna try that. I will do everything I can, including like paying for a seat for her. I, I will do everything I can to avoid having to put her in the cargo hold of, of a plane. So, I mean, that would be, I would be looking for pet friendly type of airplanes as well. 
I understand that there are the people that have the allergies to pets and things like that. I, I guess I just don't think that necessarily somebody that might have an allergy, that their right should trump the right of, of the airline, and particularly when you're talking about service animals, trump the right of somebody to come on with that service animal. And I understand the whole service animal thing turns out to be a scam a lot of times when you have the people that come on with the, gee, it's the pot pig and things like that. Let's talk to Jim in Fort Atkinson. Jim, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Well, you and the other callers covered a lot of ground here in the software. There's no thinking on this. There's, there's laws and rules. I mean, the odds are, I would bet you, 50-50, that this woman's story about her father having surgery is probably even made up. The problem I have with this whole thing is, why are we even talking about it? Why is it on the news? This is why people lose confidence in the media that stories like this even get a lot of traction. This woman was wrong, and there's, there, there's no thinking about it. I mean, come on. If you've got, a, if you've got an allergy to peanuts or, or bees, you carry an EpiPen. If you've got an allergy to dogs, you, you know, you have some kind of verification. And you use a little common sense. If it's going to bother you that bad, you get off the frigging plane. Yeah, well, it is, you know, it, it is interesting because people with life-threatening allergies, you know, often, you know, wear ID bracelets, they carry EpiPens. She didn't have any of that. I, you know, who knows exactly what was going on here. But um, I, I, she, she's obviously playing the, gee, we're, you know, we're, we're unhappy card. And, gee, look how unreasonable Southwest was. Problem is... Even if this was a legitimate objection in the first place, when she made the decision to not pick her butt up and leave the plane when she was asked repeatedly by officials, um, that's where I, I think she's dead wrong, and I, I've got no sympathy for her, none at all. It's 1045. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1049, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in about 15 minutes. I'm going to go where angels fear to tread. Costco is in the news. And a lot of people belong to Costco. BD is producing the show. You're Costco guy? No. Um, I, I don't have a membership at Costco, but friends of mine have. It's kind of an interesting thing. Some people are suggesting that Costco is an enormous ripoff. We're going to talk about that. Pop Culture Corner comes up in about 45 minutes. Mike in Waukesha. Here's his thought, one final thought about what we were talking about on Southwest Airlines. I think the lady wanted to move seats, and her plan backfired. When confronted with having to get off the plane, she refused because it was all a ruse to begin with. Uh, You know, um, on the one hand, that would be a cynical way of looking at it. On the other hand, that would not be something that is necessarily out of the ordinary. All right, story came out a couple days ago. Um, Foxconn, which just inked the $3 billion deal to build, and it looks like they're going to be building in Mount Pleasant. Uh, who knows how many jobs it will ultimately lead to? 5,000, 10,000, 13,000 jobs. Foxconn says it will be spending $10 billion to build the campus and build the facilities once they finally break ground on this. Um, obviously, if this works out as planned, there will be an enormous number of businesses that set up in the shadow of Foxconn to try to provide services for the workers and things like that. So if Foxconn works out, it will be a great deal. There are a number of people who, because this was an initiative of Governor Scott Walker and they continue to suffer from Walker derangement syndrome, there are a number of people who are essentially rooting for this to fail. I I don't – it's just a bizarre situation to me why anybody would ever want to be in a position of of rooting against the best interests of the state. But that's where we are. Anyhow, the story that came out a couple days ago was uh, looked at North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, 
has a, a completely different business climate than the state of Wisconsin does, especially when it comes to startup and, and innovation and IT sort of stuff. Um, North Carolina with you know th- that, that whole area that they have around Durham and Raleigh, um, and, and it's, it, it really is one of the IT centers of, of the country. Well, North Carolina, apparently they were interested in bringing Foxconn in as well. North Carolina only offered, I said only, North Carolina offered $570 million for Foxconn. We know that the state of Wisconsin ended up with a package somewhere a, a little somewhere a little bit under $3 billion. So the argument is, well, Foxconn completely took advantage of us here that you know North Carolina was only offering $570 million. Well, all right, I guess the, to me the way you look at it is, all right, it's not the question of what somebody else offered. It's what is the situation worth. Here's the truth of the matter. If Foxconn is able to deliver, as everybody, or at least most of us hope they're able to deliver, that $3 B as in billion dollars over a period of 20 years or whatever is going to be money extremely well spent. Now, if they don't deliver, you've got a different sort of scenario that's out there. But this idea that, well, North Carolina only offered $570 million, well, that probably means that North Carolina didn't need Foxconn, either undervalued what Foxconn was, was offering, or they didn't need them as much as the state of Wisconsin did. Either one, which is a valid sort of concern. But this idea that North Carolina offered $570 million, Wisconsin paid $3 billion, that means we have to have a, automatically got a bad deal, that makes no sense at all. Time will tell whether Foxconn works out. I happen to think it's going to be a great deal for southeastern Wisconsin and for the entire state. But 10 years from now, maybe you get to say, I told you so. It's 1053. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1056. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The county executive is proposing a $60 wheel tax. For Milwaukee County residents. That, by the way, was the same wheel tax that got defeated in a referendum 72 to 28 less than a year ago. Why the budget proposal this year after it failed to pass the last time around? Find out when Chris Abley joins Scafidi and Bill Stett at 2 p.m. this afternoon. I'm sure they'll ask him about a number of things, including how about that parking fee at the lakefront that got shot down as well? You brought that back. But anyhow, he's going to be with them 2 p.m. this afternoon. You can check that out. I... This is one of these stories that I, I read, and I, I just I find myself shaking my head because it's, what were they thinking, and why did they have to do that? Now, there's all this controversy right now, of course, in the NFL about the, the flag, and is it disrespectful to you know, kneel during the national anthem, all these type of things. So I appreciate that this, this gives us teachable moments to talk about things like the First Amendment, and to maybe explain that the First Amendment is government-restricting speech, not necessarily an employer-restricting speech. Of course, that's something people don't want to hear. There's also other opportunities and to you know, talk about you know, the value of the flag and what does this mean. So, I mean, I, I appreciate it's a teachable opportunity. But here is what a school, a suburban high school, actually Elmhurst, Illinois, did. They decided, and this was the teachers that decided this, They wanted to create a display. So what they did is they took an American flag and they put it on the ground. They laid it on the ground. And they said, we're doing this. And then they they kind of roped it off. So the flag just kind of stayed on the ground. They said they did this as part of a forum 
to explore the complexities of the constitutionally protected right of free speech by examining real cases. And what they were doing is they were recreating this artist's what is the proper way to display a flag. It was a controversial art piece that was displayed in 1989. So they decided, we're going we're gonna to recreate this. We're going to create a teachable moment. We're going to put the flag on the ground. To which a number of parents and students um, said, what are you thinking of? I mean, this is incredibly poor taste. I understand that you know, you teachers you know, might think there's a right to do this, but a number of people find this to be offensive. And if you wanted to teach this, couldn't you, I don't know, teach this through photos of the original art display? Did you need to come out and recreate the piece and therefore, in the minds of many people, myself included, disrespecting a flag in the process? Because as I often say, just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean it's a right thing to do. Um, A number of the students are saying, we couldn't believe they did this. We couldn't believe that these teachers put this out in the middle of the library where thousands of students walk through. It was unbelievably disrespectful. The school officials say, well, they were just trying to make a point. Yeah, they were trying to make a point that they are insensitive idiots is the point that they were trying to make. Like I say, if you want to teach controversies about the flag, go ahead and do it. No problem with that at all. But can't you teach a controversy about the flag without disrespecting, at least in the minds of many people, the flag in the first place? But, of course, this is what goes on at public high schools. It's 1059 when we come back after the news. Is Costco a ripoff? Stick around. It's 1108. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. We've got Pop Culture Corner coming up in a little less than a half hour. It's a little bit of a different one today. Normally we normally we talk about, like, good stuff. Like, what's the best this, the best that? Yeah, we're going to kind of switch stuff around, do a little bit of a reversal. That's coming up. It should be a little bit fun at 1135 or so. Before that, I have a couple friends who belong to Costco. And they, they just absolutely swear by it. They, they say Costco is just the greatest thing since canned beer. And I've been thinking about you know, getting, getting a membership to Costco. Except there was this interesting story about this. And I, I guess I'd never really thought of things. You know the way health clubs or gyms, fitness facilities, whatever, you know the, the way they make money? They, they make money in general by selling memberships as opposed to people using the, the gym. What happens is the vast majority of people who who sign up for a gym, and this is why, you know, if, if you if you ever try to to go to if you belong to again your your athletic club, you go there in January, and the place is packed. Why is that? Well, it's because all these people make their New Year's resolutions that they're going to get in shape. They go out, they they get their memberships, they show up the first couple of weeks in January, and then after that they they fall away. But what happens is. Lots and lots of people don't cancel their, their memberships because, well, the thinking is, I might come back. So a lot of these gyms, that's the, the business model. It's that you, you sell the memberships. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing illegal about this. You sell the memberships. People pay you the money. And then you know that most people aren't going to use the facilities. So what you what you find is that there's, and again, it's going to vary from gym to gym, but Maybe there'll be 60 to 70% of the people who sign up, and they only go a couple times. And then, it, you know, maybe they'll ultimately cancel. But generally speaking, they'll be there for a while. But they're never going to go. 
Then you've got about another 15 to 20% who go occasionally. And then you've got that 10% who are the super users, the people that go like every day and, and really make it a ritual. So what the athletic facilities do is they then cater to that, that 10%. And again, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of the reality. Well, there's an interesting story about Costco um, that I was reading the other day, and I think it was in USA Today, and it was saying that Costco, which is, again, one of the big super saver clubs, and the idea is you buy a membership, and that gives you your right to then go out and buy stuff, shop there. Costco apparently operates on the same model as as many of these, these health clubs. I mean, here's what the story says. Um, in many ways, Costco's business model isn't what you think it is. Most Costco members don't shop at Costco all that much. Costco markets itself as a warehouse club where, in exchange for a membership fee, consumers get access to a variety of food, merchandise, and services at discount prices. Of course, the company does offer those things, but that's not really the chain's business model. In many ways, Costco operates like a gym. It sells memberships, knowing that many of its members won't show up. It's not upset if they do, and it takes care of the members who spend the most. But in reality, it only needs customers to see the value of joining, not actually have them do any shopping. Um, it goes on to talk about how you know Costco's model, they go out, they market people, they lure people in by the prospect of saving money, and even if they don't adva- take advantage, they, they say, well, I'm going to keep this because I intend to do this in the future. Here's what they say. Apparently, the chain makes about the numbers that they have here is that the chain ends up making about 75% of its profits from membership fees. And then a big piece of the remaining 25% comes from the super users, the the people that are there all the time who spend much more than an average member. Like the gym, though, the warehouse club makes money whether people come in or not, and its sales are just icing on the cake. So in other words, for Costco to be successful, doesn't matter whether you shop there or not. All they've got to do is convince people to buy the memberships. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is really, I mean, like I say, it's a model that played out with with gyms and fitness clubs. But it's really kind of a new model when it comes to grocery shopping or things like that. I know Sam's Club did it as, as well, where you pay the membership fee. But most people... Again, when they end up going shopping, you know, most people, you know, you you don't, if, if you go into, for example, a, a grocery store or a department store, you're not paying for the privilege uh, of doing that. You're, you know, they're trying to lure you in. So given the fact that 75% of this comes from, the profits come from memberships as opposed to goods, and that the vast majority of people who buy the memberships Never, ever, ever use them, maybe beyond that one or two times. All right, is this sort of like a giant Ponzi scheme? Is this a ripoff? Or do people know what they are getting involved in? And just like the health clubs, you make that decision. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I bring this up because, like I say, I know a lot of people who swear by Costco. I just wonder how many people out there 
have memberships to places like Costco and never, ever, ever use them, even though they've spent the money for them. Okay, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 11-14. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 11-17. Jeff Wagner. Now, here's the way it works at Costco. They use low prices to entice people to pay either 60 bucks for their basic Gold Star membership or $120 for their executive membership, which gives members 2% cash back on eligible purchases until they earn $1,000 back. Either membership gets you in the door of the warehouse club. Costco, though, knows that really only executive members are likely to take significant advantage of the low prices. In other words, the people that are buying the cheapest memberships, they rarely come back. Brian on the north side. Brian, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Costco, but when I opened my membership, I knew what I wanted. I wanted the gold one you just mentioned. I was 30 minutes they were trying to convince me to get the executive one. It was so irritating. They kept saying, we don't work on commission, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, it was horrible. And I basically had to put my foot down and said, look, you either sell me the gold member or, or I'm walking. And I got what I wanted. I had to say that for them to... Sh- Stop trying to convince me to get the executive. It was irritating. So you kind of felt like you were getting one of those high-pressure land sales or something. Yeah, you can pay the 60 but we really want you to pay the 120 Yes, they kept convincing me, oh, you're going to save this. You're going to... For the amount of shopping I do, I knew I won it. Cause I, they, I had that with Sam's Club, and I, I went back to my basic one. Uh, but the way they pressured me was irritating. Right. Now, do you, do you still shop? Do you continue to shop at Costco? Yeah, I love Costco. Like I said, I like Costco. I like the things inside there. I just, you are you're right about this business model. They seem right. to care about selling um, memberships only. Well, and that, I mean, th- I mean that's that's where, I mean, I, I, that's what I thought was interesting about the, this story. That's where 75% of their profits come. They, most, most grocery stores, department stores, sporting goods stores, liquor stores, whatever, most of them make their money from selling the goods. That's not how Costco works. Costco makes the vast majority of its money from selling the memberships. Now, that's not bad or, or good in necessarily. It's just I thought it was interesting. Steve in Oshkosh. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Morning. Uh, we um, live in Oshkosh. Uh, got a Costco membership in Appleton uh, last January. In fact, it was January 4th. And we opted for the executive uh, program. And... We have probably, which I think was $110, and then they gave you a number of perks based upon that. One was a free rotisserie chicken, 7 bucks, pizza, which was $12, so on and so forth. Anyway, long story short is of the $110 we invested in that membership, I know for a fact that we have gotten at least six times that back in savings and or, uh, I guess you call it rebate. We is Costco is Costco your your go to shopping store your, your go to no, store for shopping? No, no oh. we go probably every six weeks uh, because we have reason to go up to Appleton about every six weeks. Last week we were up there doing what we need to do for personal business. Stopped in to get gas. It was seventeen cents a gallon cheaper than it was in Oshkosh. Yeah. yeah. So even a moderate user like us, thirty miles away, it has paid back in space. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and as long as you use it enough, that's that's great. I always I'm always intrigued by Costco because the, the like I said I don't have a membership, but friends of mine do. And you walk in there, and I go over to the liquor department. Now you never know what they're going to have. You know, it always varies. But Correct. and of course they've got it. A lot of times it's in large quantities. You know, the the bigger bottles and stuff. But I, I tell you, you can find some really good deals on liquor in there. Again, if you're not. And some of the brands they have are, are pretty good. It's stuff that I might buy in a liquor store. You just don't know what you're going to find. And you have to, and you have to shop. I mean, I like uh, Canadian whiskey, and um, you can get Canadian whiskey, uh, Canadian Club, locally at about the same price as you can get their house brand. Wine okay. collections, however, are extremely good, and pricing is very competitive. Yeah, okay, so you're, you're sold. Thanks for the call. And again, the, the pur- purpose of this segment isn't to say, oh, you shouldn't buy Costco. It is to really kind of explore this idea of, of their business model, which is, all right, most of the money we're going to make ends up coming from the memberships that we, we sell. But obviously, there's enough of a lure to get people in there. Debbie in Waukesha. Debbie, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. You know, I'm a Sam's Club member, and the reason I go there is because my prescriptions are cheaper there than any other pharmacy. But what I found out is you have to know your prices when you go into that store. If you don't know your prices, then you're not going to get good deals. I mean, the holiday pie, you can't touch that anywhere else for what they charge. It's so so cheap. Right. I found it interesting that the first caller said, now, I can't speak for Costco, but I do know somebody who works for Sam's Club, and... They, they do get bonuses for memberships. That's why you get pressure, because the employees at Sam's Club get bonuses for selling memberships. And right. Yeah, they, they might not work. It's interesting. Like the first caller said, the people told him, well, we don't work on commission. And maybe it's not commission, but maybe it's like you're saying. There's a bonus. You sell... You know, you sell 20 of these, you win one, you get something. You know, you sell 50 of them, you get something else. So I, I, and I'm sure that's the case because, again, if... That's exactly, exactly right. right. Or he wouldn't, they wouldn't be pressuring you. What, what benefit would it be for somebody to keep annoying you? Right. I mean, and again, because that's... that's And now that you see this stuff, it is kind of a large part of the business model. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with health clubs selling people memberships and recognizing that, you know, 80% of the people aren't going to be there two months later. That's kind of what the business model is. Nothing wrong with that at all. It is just kind of interesting. But you're a you're a big believer in Sam's Club as long as you could check out on the prices. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. No, that's uh, again. That's if there's. I guess I've always seen some of these places. If particularly if you have a larger family, and um, you're not as brand sensitive. I mean, I could see where it would be a, really an especially good deal, especially if you want to go out and you want to. Um, Buy in bulk. Bonnie in Waukesha. Bonnie, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi there. Hi, Bonnie. Um, I've been a member of uh, Costco for about four years, and um, we're executive members. And and actually what made us jump up to that was that um, at one point of going through the line, uh, they used the scan to for our membership. And then the woman showed me, already based off of your purchases this year, you've already earned this amount back in in two percent which which more than overpaid for our membership every year because of that two percent because of gas you're getting an additional two percent on top of that that's like four percent off of the price um and then we also bought got the costco credit card um basically in the last four years above what pays for our membership we get an additional um 
anywhere from 300 to $500 back in addition to that. And, um, you know, we're only a family of three, and it, it's not just for the huge families. I, we use it really primarily, I, I guess we're the 10%, we use it primarily as our, our right. grocery store. But, but it works for you. Yeah, you you are. I mean, you're one of the one of their super users. And what they do, the way I understand it, and there's, again, there's nothing wrong with this. They they cater to, you know, to 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 those people. They they recognize that most of the people they sell memberships to aren't going to come back and use it. So what they want to do is, they want to make that that one out of ten folks like you. They want to make you extremely happy. But so from your position, you're it's well worth it. You're getting your money back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the quality of the product, some of the wine, one of the wines that we really like in other places that I've gone to look at it, it's $29 a bottle and it's seventeen ninety nine at Costco. You know, it, it, that's just one example. Sure. We do a lot of cost comparison and they've been by far the cheapest. Uh, even, you know, appliances, various things. We've, we've, furniture we've gotten through there too it's it's um we've been very happy with it my uh my best friend buys tires through there i said costco sells Absolutely. tires he said yeah he, said, he, he, he buys tires you know he he buys tires Just through there a new set last about two weeks ago <laughs> yeah no thank, thanks for going again I'm, this isn't a I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on costco i i do think i do think it is interesting i think it's fair for people to understand that a, a lot of if, if you're like bonnie and you use this on a regular basis for a couple of other callers, yeah, you're, you're going to get a deal. And, and that's that's all very well and good, and that, that's great. So it's not like it's deceptive marketing. What you need to know, though, is the vast majority of people who sign up for those cards, they don't use them. And, and that's where a large percentage of Costco's revenue comes in. My only consumer advice would be, really, before you spend the money, make sure you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to use this, because if I use it, I'm going to get great deals, but again, it's like signing up for the gym. If you sign up for the gym and you keep making those payments, but you stop going after January fifteenth, it's just it's free money. That's the only thing that I think is kind of interesting about this story. It's eleven twenty-seven. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, we have come to that point in the week. And matter of fact, this is my last segment of the show for the week because I'm taking off tomorrow and, and Monday. And appreciate everybody putting up with this monster cold that I've suddenly come down with. And if you want to see how. You deal with a monster cold and do a radio show. Well, we are now live streaming this next segment on our Facebook Live. Simply go to Facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ, and you can see what we look like in the studio, and you can see this giant box of Kleenex that I have been going through over the course of the, the better part of the morning. But we live stream this segment because it is what we call Pop Culture Corner. It's our opportunity to kind of move away from the stories of the, the day, to stop worrying about Tom Barrett's budget with cops and the latest thing going on with the NFL football players and their protests and North Korea. We have enough time to talk about that in the rest of the week. We want to have a little bit of fun. For today's segment, actually, I, I was responsive to a couple of listeners who said, Jeff, a lot of times when you do the pop culture corner features, you talk about the good stuff. You know, what's the what's the best TV show? Who's your favorite comedian? All, all the positive stuff. They said, it might be fun to kind of flip it around. And I started thinking about that, and I said, huh, you, 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 might, be, you might be right. So for Pop Culture Corner today, just because I am in this, this kind of mood, and actually because I, I sat through a movie the other day, which was just a dog. Now, the only good thing about this was that I was watching the movie on, like, Cinemax or, or the movie channel or something like that. So other than paying for the subscription, 
I, I didn't have to go to the movie theater and watch it. But this thing, it was absolutely awful. It was so bad that you would sit there wondering, how how did this movie actually get made? I mean, at some point in time, didn't somebody realize that this movie just, what's the word I'm looking for? Sucked. And at some point in time, didn't somebody just say, okay, we're, we're not going to invest however many millions of dollars it takes to make this particular movie because it's just awful. Or at some point in time, even if you started making it, you know, didn't you realize that this was going to be a terrible, terrible movie? Now, we all talk about movies that we like, but I thought for Pop Culture Corner this week, we'll switch it around. What's the worst movie that you ever sat through? Now, I'm not talking about guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures, those are, those are movies that everybody else doesn't like, but you happen to like. And so, you know, for me, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man is a movie like that. I know it's a bad movie, but I like it. But but I, I can't help it. But I understand objectively it's a bad movie. I am talking about the real dog. The worst movie, that, and the only caveat is you have to have sat through it. You know, the one where 15 minutes into it, you think, boy, this is just awful. I really should leave. But you sit around, and then, you know, it's 90 minutes later, and it hasn't gotten any better. And you just say, I want the last hour and 45 minutes of my life back. Not to mention however much money I shelled out. 414-799-1620. Let's have a little bit of fun. What's the worst movie you ever sat through? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Again, during these segments, I always advise people to, first of all, call in early because our phone lights tend to jam up. Secondly, don't overthink it. Kind of go with your first instinct. If you want to participate, also, we could do it through our Facebook Live. We are live streaming, facebook.com slash 620WTMJ, as well as 414-799-1620, which is our Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Real Dog, the worst movie you ever sat through. We discuss next. Stick around. It's 1139. Jeff Wagner, 620WTMJ. The worst movie you ever sat through. Pat on the west side. Pat, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Worst movie? Showgirls. That's a pretty bad one. Did you see it in the theater? Yes, I did. Okay. Down in, down in uh, Kenosha. Uh-huh. Yeah, that... I, yeah, that... Thanks for... That was one... I don't... I can't actually explain why, but I, I saw that movie in the theater, too. I still remember... Scott Warris is producing shows, looking at me. Why? I don't know. I, I went. I remember I went with my friend. His name is Jeff, too. And we sat in the movie. I don't know why. It's because it was getting so much pub at the time. And then about 20 minutes in, I start looking around, and I start beginning to think, how am I going to be able to get out of this theater without being recognized? Because the last thing I want is, oh, that's Jeff Wagner sitting over there. But, yes, um, Showgirls uh, didn't do much for too many people's careers. Chris in Mequon. Chris, good morning. Hey Jeff, thanks for taking the call. Hope you feel better. Sure, thank you. I just got a cold. I'll get. I'll, I'll survive. <laughs> um, the uh, episode one Star Wars with uh, the first, the, the new one that came out with Jar Jar. Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Oh, Who thought that was going to be a good idea? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and I'm not sure that they got any better, but I think you're right that the first, the first one of the second set of three was probably the worst of the three, but n- none of them were very good. I didn't think. Yeah, it was the first one was awful. Yeah, and it, thanks. Of course, it didn't matter because everybody had spent. You know, because it's Star Wars, everybody was going to go see it. I mean, now you might might not have made as much money because you weren't going to see it eight or ten times because it stunk. But yeah, you were going to go see it. Worst movie that you sat through. That's got to be the deal. You had to have sat through it. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, good morning. Hey, Jeff. I wasted an entire Sunday evening on Boyhood. 
Oh, that's the one. I you know I couldn't qualify that because I couldn't get through it. I started. Who who's the star of that? That's is who's the star? That's not a Brad Pitt one, is it? I, no, it's like no, it's with well the kid is is like pretty unknown, but for Trisha Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is the guy. Hawk. Yeah, right, right. They're both very annoying in the movie. Yeah, I, that was one where I actually ten or fifteen minutes into it, I started watching it and I knew it was going to suck, and so. I took the risk that maybe there was going to be something great that happened later on, and I just shut it off, and I've never gone back to it. So you're telling me I, I didn't miss too much, huh? No, you didn't. You're much wiser than me, and if I wanted to watch a dismissive, entitled punk, I would have gone back to substitute teaching. <laughs> Thanks for the call. If I wanted to watch it. To... Yeah, well, that's good. I understand that. 414-799-1620. All right, this is going to be a controversial one. Jeff in Whitefish Bay. Jeff, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I know this movie, actually, I believe it even uh, won some Academy Awards, uh, yep. but I it was the smallest moving movie. I, I don't know how I sat through it, uh, The English Patient. You know, The English Patient is one of, by the way, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think it's an awful movie. It was the ultimate chick movie, though. You know, that was the one that was that was sort of the barometer for whether guys were sensitive and stuff. Because if you didn't get the English patient, you were supposedly this, you know, just this Neanderthal. But I'm with you. I didn't get the English patient. It was kind of like, die for goodness sakes, put yourself out of your misery. Yeah, we went with another couple, and this guy, I and mean, he's like a guy's guy, and we both got out of there and like, what was that? We just <laughs> yeah, it's just like, um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, no, no question, no question about it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Cindy in Eden. Cindy, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, absolutely worst was Clockwork Orange. It was supposed to be a good movie. Stanley Kubrick, myself. right? Yeah, I went. I was in college at the time. And we went there, and it was like, what is this? Is this getting any better? Halfway through the movie, a bunch of people walked out, and everybody clapped. <laughs> did you stay, for, did was, you stay for the end? And I stayed, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that was a you Stanley... You thinking it's going to get better. Well, it's a Stanley Kubrick flick. I mean, this is the guy that made, you yeah. know, 2001 and made yeah. Dr. Strangelove and all that. I know, it was supposed to be terrific, but, oh, I, it was awful. Well, okay, I, 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 Cindy, here's what I did. I watched that movie. Matter of fact, I... I saw the movie and I didn't understand it. It was just I thought this was okay, just way over my head. Maybe I didn't get it. So right. I went back and I read the book. It's by a guy named Anthony Burgess. I went the book, read the book, and it didn't help. I I thought the book <laughs> sucked too. You know, so I just now you realize some people just love that. If you're a Stanley Kubrick fan, what we're talking right. about right now is heresy. But I yeah yeah I just no, thanks. I I'm I'm with you. I just said I got to be missing something here. I mean, this is it's Stanley Kubrick. This is this classic piece of fiction. I got to check this out. Um, no. All right. Worst movie you sat through. Greg in Watertown. Greg, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my Hi, call. Greg. Um, I told your screener that one night I agreed to sit down and watch a movie and didn't know what it was. Liked a lot of the actors in it, but I thought it was a total flop was The Departed. Another movie, Martin Scorsese. This is the guy that does Mean Streets, and this is the guy that does Goodfellas, and this is the guy that's done all this stuff. Jack Nicholson's in it, uh, Matt Damon. you got all these people there, and Mark Wahlberg, and I'm with you. I and it, and it got all these Academy Award nominations, too, and it's sold all its money. I thought that was a terrible movie. Yeah, I just did not care. I didn't like the plot. Uh, it was To me, it was very predictable. I just didn't care for it at all. 
Yeah, I, I just, right. But it, it got all these raves, and maybe it's one that you just built up these expectations. Okay, I like Jack Nicholson. I mean, I, I like, you know, I mean, I, I like the stuff that Marty Scorsese does, you know, but, and, and it's a mobster movie, but no, I'm, I'm with you. Thanks for going. And that's another one. I went back and I watched it a second time because I was trying to figure out, have I missed something? Because that happens every once in a while. Movie Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's second movie. When I first saw it, I didn't like it. But I decided, hey, I'm going to give this a second chance. I'm going to go. I'm going to watch it. And then it, it, it kind of grew on me. And I, I like it now. I will tell you, I watched The Departed two times all the way through. And sometimes I'll see clips of it, you know, when it's on because it seems like it's always on. No, I mean, it It might be growing on me, but kind of growing on you like that fungus you get is growing on you. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tim in West Dallas. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Uh, mine unfortunately has to be Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The fourth one. Now, after the first the, three. The fourth one, yes. Yeah. We went to a midnight screening with some friends. We were very excited. It was all hyped up. And I just, as soon as I started, I'm like, this is, this is not going well. And when I got to the end, I just wanted to walk out. But I didn't. But it was really hard to watch. Well, and so you went to a midnight screening. So not only were you anticipating the thing, but now it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And you're going, just, right. you know, I, I, you know it, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I sat through this awful thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's another one. Again, I, I love the Indiana Jones movies. I, I did. Love but it's, love, love Harrison Ford. Love everything he does. And that was just a real letdown. Uh, and you know, and uh, Karen Allen, who plays the love interest. I mean, I've had mm-hmm. a crush on her ever since Al- uh, Animal House. But yeah, it's that was just. It, you're, you're right. It it was it was pretty bad. No, thanks for the call. It was pretty bad. Let's talk to Andrew in Oconomowoc. Andrew, you're at six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Worst movie you've ever seen? Worst movie I ever saw had to be uh, Joe Dirt. Yeah. Okay, who's the guy that plays in that? Who who's uh, who does? Saved? Okay, right. Yeah, I. I, I will tell you, you got me at a disadvantage because I, I've never seen that. That's not one that would ever be on my radar screen. But a lot of people like it. It's supposed to be this huge comedy. Yep. No, it doesn't work. Okay, thanks for the call. Let's talk to Linda in Wales. Linda, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. What do you think? Worst movie you ever sat through? Well, I'm really embarrassed that I went to this movie, but it was Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. <sighs> okay. What possessed you to go to a movie called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer? Well, I think I didn't think that they thought he was a vampire slayer. I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Well, Linda, okay, it's like when they have the movie Snakes on a Plane. You go, and it's Snakes on a Plane. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. What do you expect, my dear? Well, you know, it started out okay. Like, you know, they were talking about his early life, and then things started to get really dark, and I was like, what is going on? It's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I um, I, it's, I can't mock you too much. But the, the only, the only, the only higher ground I have. I've seen that movie, but I waited till it came out on. I waited till it came out on Cinemax or Showtime or something like that. So I, I didn't have yeah. to pay extra for this. No thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. No, no. That's no. Thanks for calling. But I mean, I, I do like that. It is. It's sort of like you. You go to some of these movies. It's kind of like you want another awful movie. It came out um, a couple of years ago. Was it Russell Crowe that was in it? Um, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh, it was Harrison Ford was in it, too. Cowboys and Aliens. Okay, well, if you ask me to tell what the, what the plot was, it was Cowboys and it was Aliens. So if you go to see Cowboys and Aliens, you can't complain when they give you Cowboys and Aliens and the movie stinks. If you go to see Snakes on a Plane, you can't complain because it's on Snakes on a Plane. And if you go to see Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer, you probably can't complain that you've got the President Lincoln character who is chopping off the heads of vampires with an axe. And that's all you need to know 
about this particular movie. 414-799-1620. Jane in Oconomowoc. Jane, good morning. Good morning. Um, I had my parents over for dinner, and I told my dad, this is really a good movie. You're really going to like it. This is years ago. And it was Speed with Keanu Reeves. Right. And after the movie was over, he looked at me and he said, Janie, that is the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. Why did you think, and plus, it, did they say, why did you think I was going to like that movie? You know, is that, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He just looked at me like, wow. Yeah. That, yeah but, I, no, I, no, I get it. I mean, um, Speed, I, I just, well, a little Keanu Reeves goes a long way with me. Okay, let me just look. Denise wanted to say message in a bottle. That was not good. Julie wanted to say the King's Speech. Actually, I kind of like that one, but I understand why people would go the other way. Four weddings and a funeral, 410 to Yuma, all sorts of things. I will tell you, there's one movie, and, and by the way, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer is, is certainly a, a good one that would be up there. If you ever see this movie called A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, run, run, run. I have friends who still, still remind me. This came out a little bit after Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So, I mean, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We all had a great time. So one night, we're going out, and I get to pick the movie. And and this was kind of billed as, oh, it's going to be like the new Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So we like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so we decided to go that route. A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon. I cannot tell you. There are not enough CKs in the word suck to tell you how bad this movie was. To this day, and this could be 35 years to this day, with this group of people, they don't let me pick movies to go to because I picked the night in the life of Jimmy Reardon. I have never, ever been able to forget it. So um, just just so you know, we're all in that kind of same leaky boat. We've all sat through some really, really bad movies. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer, that certainly is one of them.